welcome to Tabletop Game Talk on Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm over your host, Kitty. And I'm Chris. And this week, Fletcher has abandoned us for a wedding or something. But while he's out, we'll be talking about the price of games. He doesn't buy games anyway. So, do games cost too much? Are they going to cost too much? Do we really need 10 pounds of plastic in our games? Probably yes to everything, but we'll try to dig in a little bit deeper. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Also, if you would like to join us on Zoom, you should. You can check us out uh, Monday nights, 8.30 Central Time at tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Just click on the little link and then suddenly you'll be talking to us. And we were talking about, I don't know, I've already forgotten what our show was all about because I was just really looking forward to actually recording the show. We talked about a lot of things this week. We, Mostly we things he kept saying, like, oh, we need to talk about this during the podcast. Let's stop. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so Save here we are. Yeah. yeah, I guess we did talk about the iPhone a whole bunch. We won't talk about that we, in the podcast. We, yeah. Skipping that, iPhone, moving on. <laughs> and we talked about making plans for Fletcher's wedding, which is also, um, let's talk about Fletcher's wedding. So he's getting married this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be downtown in the same hotel Friday night and Saturday night. Now, Saturday night, we probably shouldn't plan anything. But maybe Saturday during the... Di- no, Saturday... He's getting married at 3 o'clock. We're not going to get any games in. No. Absolutely no. not. I don't know why you thought that would be in any way a possibility. <laughs> oh, I was just kind of hoping. I mean, I went to Gen Con this week, and I wanted to get games in there, and that didn't happen either. So I don't know how I could do that at a wedding. But... I'm I'm still going to I'm still going to bring a couple games just in case. But speaking of weddings, did you read an email? Did you read the email I read? Uh, I don't I don't know. I'm going to take that deer in the headlights look as no. Alex Bross <laughs> is engaged. Um you'll remember Alex from he does the Geek Coaster Shop at Etsy and he proposed to his girlfriend who we talked to on that episode which if I was a better friend sorry alex i would give you a reference to but um he was <laughs> his girlfriend is no longer his girlfriend his girlfriend is now his fiance so i just wanted to make sure we called out the fact that alex is engaged and also go to geek coaster shop because weddings are super expensive and you really just need to buy a lot of coasters for his wedding geek coaster shop on Etsy. go buy it yes it was very confusing whether or not she was his sister or girlfriend and now fiance i mean it wasn't that confusing I'm pretty sure that, I don't know. I thought that was his sister, but he also has a girlfriend. No, no, no. It was definitely his girlfriend. <laughs> it wasn't his sister. Alex is I'm not confused. marrying his sister. I have it. Nobody said that. Authority. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We just lost some listeners. <laughs> well, we might have lost Alex. Mostly Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confused. I thought it's he Kitty's definitely fault. said it was his sister. No, yeah, it's, it's my not fault. His sister. There could be two people. People have girlfriends and sisters. Well, people do have (laughs) who are different humans. (laughs) Um, But this is not Alex. Write in and clear this up. (laughs) Hey, this is Alex from Geek Coasters interview. I was still listening to the show. This is I'm reading his email. Thanks again for shouting out a few minutes ago. Of course, we're happy to shout you out. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember the episode. Oh, I don't remember the exact episode, but I I did. Um, But. I was with my girlfriend Julia oh, at the time. There we go. Yeah, and now you she's win. my fiance. Well, Asked her to marry me a couple weeks ago, Alex. and she didn't run away. Sorry, I'm a bad um, listener. <laughs> <laughs> 
But oh, but he does John have a question. John said he was super confused too, so it's not just me. Thank you, live it's audience, a- for backing me up. It's all right. We're going to change the subject real quick and answer his question <laughs> because this is this is important, and I think this is a good. It's not a full show topic, but it'll allow us to you know add a few minutes to this one. Um, he has a related question. He's gonna he's looking for a house. They're moving out of their parents' place, um, and they don't have a ton of money. But they're looking for some place to store or something to store their board games on. Uh, he says he went to IKEA and they saw the Calyx there, but was wondering if we had any advice. Um, now I'm going to answer this. He says he has about 25 ticket to ride sized um, games, like the standard box types games. Now I have an answer to this, but Kitty, I'm wondering, do you have any opinions on how to store a collection of like 25 to 30 games in a new apartment? So I mean. My way of storing my games was that I don't have any DVDs or movies or any physical media anymore. So that's where my games go is in my cabinet under my TV where it looks like they designed it to put like movies and DVD type stuff in there. Um, And that worked for me if you have a smaller space Um, and also a smaller game collection. But for a 25 game ticket to ride style, I don't know if that will... um, complete your collection but i i don't know i think um i i think you know find a piece of furniture that speaks to you and you know if that's the calyx great and um if you don't want your house to look like a board game store or literally everyone else's house you know maybe (laughs) maybe search further but you know you know whatever what works for you all right you have a point there so my advice is going to be taken with a grain of everybody's doing it salt (laughs) but the calyx really is Super useful. And you could get the 4x4. Four four. I had a couple 5x5s five in my apartment on Kimball. Um, those things are put together and then burned down when you move. You're never going to get them out of the house again because <laughs> they're huge. Um, but the Calyx 2x4, so two wide, four tall, or four wide, two tall, is the ideal game storage system because you can store them vertically if you need to save the the floor space or horizontally if you want to use it as like a, a table and you can get cabinet covers for them. So they like, they just attach on the outside so you can put, you know, you don't have to have your board games facing the outside world. Um, we actually, well, I have this specific unit in my living room. We put our TV on it and then we have books and stuffed animals on it for the kids. Um, but for the longest time, the Calyx is what I would use. And if you've ever seen the background of pretty much any YouTuber, um, that's what you're looking at is is probably a four by four Calyx. But they come in various sizes. And yeah, and they're also the cheapest way to go. There's something on Kickstarter right now that'll like add spacers and stuff to your Calyx. Don't worry about that. Um, but, oh, and he also mentioned he has a record collection, and the Calyx works amazing for records as well. Just get a milk crate and throw the records in there and put all that on the Calyx. I think you can do that. Don't get a milk crate. That's a little college. You're engaged now. Grow up. Kitty, you're supposed I mean, to laugh here, so that I, that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I outgrew IKEA furniture, so that's just me, though. That's fine. I think, I think IKEA... It has some stuff that maybe you shouldn't have, but it also has some really nice stuff. And I like their inflatable furniture because theoretically you can feel it with helium and let it float to the ceiling when you want more floor space. I've never done it, but if I was in college these days, I would totally want to do that. Also, you can put it together and end your relationship before it even begins. (laughs) Because putting together IKEA furniture with another human is um, a terrible idea always. 
That's true. Don't don't put it don't yeah. Don't put it together with other humans. Yeah. Um John says <laughs> that home and garden shelves at Walmart are also good. They have similar in sizes to the Calyx. And there's a lot of uh different shelving units that you can get kind of discount. Check out Walmart 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 and Target uh for kind of like the Calyx knockoff because it is such a popular one. Um Miles mentions that you should watch the Bluey Flat Pack episode yes. so you can understand what putting together the furniture is all about. And also that episode is super deep, super deep. Very it has good. Layers. We just watched it. I haven't watched Bluey in a long time because we've been into the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It's the worst. Uh, he, I hear they're getting new episodes now in Australia. So, you know, oh, so give it six months it. and they'll start filtering out here, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, anything to get me out of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. All right, let's talk about, oh, quick update for the giveaway. Uh, we're going to do a drawing next week, and then we'll do a drawing the last Tuesday of October and the last Tuesday of November. Those will be the last two drawings, and then I'm going to do something for December. I haven't decided. I have something in mind, but it's not going to be like, I'm not going to do a drawing Christmas week or anything like that. So if we do something for December, it'll be earlier in December. Um, all right. Let's go on to the part one of this episode, which is the Gen Kion recap. So, Kitty, are you ready to just listen to me babble for a while? Isn't that what I always do? Well, I hope so. Um, <laughs> so, Gen Con. How was Gen Con? Uh, Kitty, did you follow it at all? You, I'm assuming you did not. No, I had a wedding, so okay. I was very busy. So, I did go to Gen Con, and I went... And I think I mentioned this last week. Um, it was kind of a last minute change. I was going to take Sydney and the kids and my mom and I'll go to Gen Con. But with ma- everyone needing to mask up and, you know, just the hassle of, dra- you know, traveling with two toddlers, um, I ended up going by myself. And that was fine. I got there Wednesday night. Normally, Wednesday night at Gen Con, there's a line around the block to get badges. Um, friends follow I- friends into the snake. If you know, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yep. It's it's <laughs> terrible. There was no line at all. None whatsoever. Um, so a couple years ago, I ended up getting into VIG. So I never have to wait in line anyway. I can just go to the VIG area and pick up my badge there. Yes. it it's You're not VIG. It's just very expensive gamer because you just pay a crap ton for that. But um, And you get you know, um, advanced housing portal access, which this year did not matter because you could literally book a hotel downtown Indy like the day before Gen Con started. (laughs) Um, I am still VIG, Christopher Stas. And yes, because you had to carry it. You had to keep it if you wanted to carry it through next year. So um, that's why I kept it this year. Don't they give you the like, I've been a VIG for so many years and you've got to keep that rolling? No, they don't. But that is Game Holcon does that. And it's mm-hmm. not even VIG there. VIG, there is just how many years you've gone. You get like level up for every year. Um, but yeah, so I went to pick up my badge and I got my envelope and I looked in there and there's no badge there. And I'm like, wait, where's the badge? And it's like, well, did you have it mailed to you? And I'm like, oh, crap. And I forgot <laughs> my badge in Chicago. Now, this would have been... Okay, fine. But I had driven an hour away from the house when Sydney texted me. It's like, hey, did you grab those stands? Because we were returning some stands to a friend of ours. And I'm like, oh, crap. No. So I turned around, drove back to the house, got the stands, and then started driving in. So I you know, burned an hour and a half going back and getting something I already forgot. Now, fortunately, 
this Gen Con, there was really nobody there, at least on Wednesday night. And they thought it was their fault, even though I knew it was my fault as soon as they said, did they get it mailed to you? Because it was hanging <laughs> next to my jacket um, that I didn't need because it's summertime. And so they reprinted the badge for me, which I, I appreciate quite a bit, which was okay because I paid for Sydney's badge and I paid for my mother's badge and I did not use those badges. So I figured, you know, I paid for three badges. I can at least get one while I'm here. Um, so yeah, so I, I got my badge. And then the first day... Uh, like the dealer's hall, the dealer's hall, they had a bunch of the hall like curtained off. So typically the hall is just packed. This year it was very much curtained off where there was like large chunks of the dealer's hall that just were empty space. But the of the dealer's hall that was open, there was quite a bit of space. Um, everyone was wearing masks. There was no issues with that or anything like that. Um, so that was that was fine. But it felt like because they used VIG used to give you early access. It doesn't anymore. But it felt like I had early access the entire day because it was <laughs> you just went wherever you wanted and you walked up. And the longest line was for um, Ryan Lockett's booth, which had uh, they were uh, Sleeping Gods was being sold with the expansion and stuff. And that line was like 15 minutes long. And that was it. That was like the longest line. Um, it was crazy. It just did not feel busy at all. Um, I picked up, uh, I didn't really have much in mind that I was going after. And the couple things that I did have in mind, um, I wanted the new expansion to the War of the Rings game, and it didn't come in on the shipping container soon enough. So I'm like, okay. And there was a few other games that were listed like they were going to be there, but didn't end up showing up. So I'm like, all right, that makes sense. But I did pick up pick up um, Wonderbook, which is this pop-up adventure game um overpriced so that kind of segues into our topic that we'll talk about a little later um <laughs> furnace from uh arcane wonders which is a engine building game i picked that up specifically because they had an electronic train that was like circling the game and zachary's really into trains, so i'm like no i'm gonna get this because it seems like a train game it's not it's not a train game but um it furnace uh, sarah harris said furnace was a fun demo um I did get the playmat though. She missed out on the playmat. Um, so I have, the, I have that on the playmat. I picked up Star Trek Alliance, which is a miniatures game, but it's a co-op or one or two players miniature game that kind of works with Star Trek, um, attack wing or something like that. So I was just kind of curious. There's a new, this is the year of Dune games because, uh, the Dune movie is coming out this year. So Gale Force nine who redid. The classic Dune game just released another version of that game for two to four players, which is supposed to play in a lot less time. Um, I picked up Critters at War, which is an air, land, and sea. It's just a card game where you're kind of a, it's kind of a bluffing-ish card game where you're trying, you're playing cards into the, the air area, the land area, the sea area, and you're trying to, you know, outscore your opponent. Um, Onitama Light and Shadow is the new Onitama expansion, and I just have to have everything for that. And then, I I got Oath back from Shay Parker, so I met Shay in person and we talked a little bit about what he was doing there. And um, but now I have Oath that I can play, and he used my copy of the game to teach people how to play it. So now I feel obligated to play it. But two <laughs> events I went to: uh, Million Dollar Script. This is a party game, and I'm going to be completely honest. I have a copy of it because um, if you went to the event, they were giving away copies of it. This game is bad really really bad um 
So it's it's a party game, and and by that nature, I mean, it's not like party games are bad. It's more of a writer's table party game, though. But there's an aspect to this game which I absolutely love. It's like a lot of party games where if you keep score, it's not as good as if you don't keep score. So the way this works is you have a script, and it's you're you're basically pitching a movie that goes through five different acts, and so you're introducing the main character and the villain, and then you have the plot twist and all of these things that are going through. And But how you develop the main character in the villa is you just flip up these cards. So we had like an antagonist that was um, a high school dropout who was obsessed with becoming a folk hero. That was our hero. And then our villain was a marriage counselor, a maimed marriage counselor who had some kind of revenge plot or something going on. And we had to make movies about these characters. There are fun things about that <laughs> character generation system, but the game itself sort of falls flat because you have one person who's like judging the two teams and it's really hard to judge that team. Plus it's an improv game. So if you don't like that kind of being put on the spot kind of stuff, it falls really, really flat. But if so you have a like few creative- more of like a party game, like um, it's a team uh, party Any game. of those like where you're trying to, I don't know, because I, I always have a hard time with games like that because no one thinks I'm as funny as I think I am. <laughs> so when I and feel like I'm it, succeeding my best, like everyone else is like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is you can play it straight and like come up with a movie idea that like is a good movie idea, or you can play it silly and come up with a silly movie idea, but either way it could fall flat. It's just, it's an improv game. So if you mm, like yeah, writer table games, <laughs> you would like this game. If you don't like writer table game, like just kind of prompting ideas for improv, you won't like this game. I was going to get the game either way because I love the way the cards generate characters. And I'm probably going to use them for like role-playing games. But the game itself fell a little short for me. Um, but lastly, where I really spent way too much money was, and I texted you, Kitty. Um, actually, I texted our D&D group. I spent some money catching up on the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Uh, spoiler alert, that's going to be our topic for our role-playing episode next month because <laughs> I have about 70 pounds you, worth of books for it. And you didn't get any of the Delta Green stuff? I ordered it from Amazon when I got home. Okay. So it'll be here tomorrow. Good. <laughs> because I, uh, I'm i going to send you the... Um, Oh, I don't know. That one might be a patron exclusive. I am not listening to an you actual just play go, on You it. should listen to an actual play. It's so much fun. It's so different. Maybe. Maybe. Um, They're so good. Yeah. But if you want to know what the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is all about, we will talk about it a lot in two Ad weeks. Ad nauseum. <laughs> don't <Yes>. worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's based on a generic um, – it's literally based on what they call the generic role-playing system, which is essentially a percentage die-based system where if I have 40% in a skill, if I roll 40% or under, I succeed. So that's the general premise of the game. And there's some other things that make it more entertaining. And it's a very lethal system. Um, guns will shoot kill you in one shot because it's more of a Because it's a life. gun. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a gun, yeah. So, but um, yeah, I just started reading it, and that's what I did on Saturday. No, actually, on Friday, all day Friday, I was just reading Call of Cthulhu books. Um, and Friday, yeah, so Thursday night, Friday all day, and then part of Saturday, I was just reading these books. But the other thing I did is I got to play Car Wars Sixth Edition, and I kickstarted this, and I went all in on it. 
And then I played a demo of it on Thursday during the day. And that allowed me to sign up for a longer game on Saturday during the day, which is the reason I stayed on Saturday, was to play a three-hour game of this, which it was only, we split it up into two groups of an hour and a half each. But I watched someone play for an hour, and a, well, watched three people play for an hour and a half, and then I played for an hour and a half, and then I came home and bought another copy of it. This game what is... What game is this? Car Wars 6th Edition. Oh. It, like, if... <laughs> If you grew up in the 80s and knew anything about Steve Jackson, you know about Car Wars. This is not that Car Wars. This is so streamlined, so smooth, so fun to like put together cars and then just drive around and shoot each other. Like it is everything I would want a tabletop miniatures game. Eric is showing us his older version of Car Wars. It is everything I want a tabletop miniatures game to be. It is just so fast and so easy to put this together. Um, I've never played any other edition of this. And I never, I probably never would have. I mean, sort of. It's it's spreadsheet and and little cardboard car, cars and stuff. This is like full-on miniatures. You can use Hot Wheels and stuff. Um, it is just so much fun. And right now, if you go to Warehouse 23, um, they are doing a discount. I do not get paid for any of this. In fact, I emailed them <laughs> to say, hey, hey, I want to do some videos on this game. Any chance you can you know, send me my version early so I can get this out ahead of time? And I got a response saying, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, okay, fine. But I'm still saying, if you want to check this out, Go to Warehouse 23 or just search Car Wars 6th Edition um, and you want to get the double ace box. That'll give you pretty much everything you could want. Um, and it's expensive. That's like $315 on sale, but it like has so much stuff in it. Anyway, I'm going to do uh, a lot more on this once I actually get the content, which could be between now and three or four or five months from now, depending on how long it takes to fulfill. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited about that. All right, 23 minutes in, we should talk about games because I just <laughs> ma- mentioned a game that We've been talking I... about games. We just haven't been talking about our topic. <laughs> yeah, but let's start with Car Wars though because $315. And that doesn't get you everything. That gets you almost everything. I filled out a thing here. So... um $315 gets you most everything. And then for an extra $125, you can get the rest. So for $440 on sale, regular price is $587 for Car Wars. Is that insane? Even if I like played this game every day for a year, actually, that would probably be worth it. But even if I, I did play say. it every day for a year, <laughs> that's still over a dollar a day. Is that worth it? Like, am I insane for wanting a game that's that expensive? I mean, the chat says yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think we've talked before about lifestyle games and uh, Christopher Dong brings that up. So, you know, if you have a lifestyle game that you play, that this is your game, you always get all the things, you know, it has new content releasing all the time, you play it constantly. Yeah, sure, (laughs) you know, that's your game. It's not so crazy to spend that much money on it. But, um, Chris, I can think of like four lifestyle games that you are all in on, you know, so like, do you have four lifetimes that you are (laughs) putting into these games? So my lifestyle games go through cycles. 
Um, actually, I met up <laughs> with a friend I haven't seen in a couple of years because as a convention friend, and I was talking to her about the, this game, and she's like, you know, you're into a different game every single time I see you. I'm like, that's because mm-hmm. you see me twice a year. So, of course, yeah. I'm into a different game because I'm doing different things. Um, but yes, when you talk about lifestyle games, they get crazy expensive. Like, if I look at Flesh and Blood, which was a very fleeting phase, but that was a card game. I've spent more than $440 or $587 on that game because that's how collectible card games work. You buy a bunch of cards, you open packs, and it's just you just keep spending money on it. Um, Keyforge, I've definitely spent more than that over the last you know three and a half years or however long it's been out. It it feels not as much though when you do it a little bit at a time. And I think that's the difference where I can go and buy a booster for $100 and then a month later buy a booster for $100 and do that six months in a row. And I spent $600 versus spending $587 on a game that includes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 expansions all at the same time, right? It just feels like that's crazy. Why would you spend that much money on a game? Would you like you've never done this though, right? No, never. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't you spend all this money on something that you're only going to barely play? Mm, number one, I don't make as much money as you do. <laughs> Disposable um, if, income is a requirement. Yeah. Um. So, you know, maybe I would be more tempted if I had more money. Um. Maybe I'd be more tempted if I had more space. Um. And also, if I had um, a spouse who would indulge in playing these games with me. But um, I have none of those things. So, so I, I do not know if Sydney's going to like this game. Now, she used to play Mage Wars, which is a tabletop miniatures game. So it's very... There's, there's a chance that we'll play this and she'll actually like it. And the way you build cards or cars is easy enough where it doesn't feel like a chore. You just pick the weapons you want and add your points add up to a certain total and then you put them wherever you want on the car and you're done um so i'm really hoping that when we play this she'll actually like it if she doesn't well then i'm going to be making other friends and then i'm going to hang out in the basement (laughs) and be playing car wars with my other friends and that's just what it's going to be now eric just lives down the street and he is totally in to play car wars with me whenever. So I'm expecting him to come over and play car wars if Sydney doesn't like it. And even if Sydney does like it, it plays up to four. So we're going to do that. Um, John mentioned when I asked this, like, if you can afford it, it's not too expensive. And I do agree with that. I do not think you should spend crazy amounts of money. You should not put... <sighs> it's like a percentage this, but... of income. Like, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, like, as long as you're... You know, putting food on the table, making rent, and you have disposable income, that's yours to spend how you want, you know, like, and there, there's no judgments here for, like, if, if this is how you want to spend all your money and you have the money to spend on it, awesome, good for you. If you don't, you know, like, make friends with Chris. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's it. <laughs> that, that's well, my it, advice to you. <laughs> yeah, I think, so, and I did not take this advice to heart, in my younger days, when I was not making as much money as I wanted to spend. Um, but I would say, if you're carrying a balance on your credit card because of board games, you're probably spending too much on board games. 
unless you're playing them again, like something like magic, there's an exception to magic because magic can actually resell and you can break even if you're playing magic correctly. Flesh and blood. I do not think you can actually break even on that game. I'm not saying it's not a good game. I'm not saying you shouldn't spend money on it. I'm just saying you can't make your money back on it. Um, But, you know, and Terrence brings up a good point. How much money have I spent on role-playing games? So D and D I have to own every book. I don't have to, but I do. And, you know, <laughs> every three months or so, another $50 book comes out. If I look at my collection and how much I've spent on D&D over the last four years, I, I, heck, go further back than that. I have every fourth edition book as well. If you look at all of that and add that up, that's a crazy amount of money. It just doesn't feel like it because it's just like, you know, it's like a subscription. A little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But like the Call of Cthulhu I just mentioned earlier, and this is why we're talking about the price of games, that's one of those things where if you went into a, a local game store right now and said, you know something, I want to get all of the books with player options in it. So you're mm-hmm. not looking at the adventures or anything. You just want to get all the books with player options in it. You're still going to end up spending about $300 on those books. I have all the books with player options, so I spent those that money, but I didn't spend it all at one time. If you were to do that, like because you like D&D and mm-hmm. having those options is nice, and just assume that, you know, I'd say, no, you can't choose it for your character unless you have the book that has it in it. Could you justify spending that amount of money on a game that you play on a fairly regular basis? Um, You know, so if this was a D&D so if, I'm so spoiled because, you know, you just share everything with me. But if I was looking at making a character and you told me I have to have all the things, you know, I might pick up a couple books, but I might not pick up all the books. And, you know, you can go online and do research about where these things come from and like what book is it in. And you don't have to pick up every single book. But maybe, you know, three books sounds fine to me. I just don't have this need that you do to have all the things. You know, like great when I was looking at doing Delta Green, which is Call of Cthulhu, but modern, I was looking at buying, I think, three books. (laughs) And you know, that would have been fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. The player's book, the keeper's book, and an adventure book, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. That's all all you need to do one, you know, really good mission you know like one basically campaign i guess you would call it that's still setting you back 140 dollars. yeah but you know if that takes us six months to get through and then i buy another maybe two books you know i've gone a lot of play and fun out of that you know book and if we don't like it then i don't need to keep buying the rest of the books You know, like, oh, we played like four sessions. Well, yeah, maybe that was a little bit of a waste of money, but at least I didn't waste all my money by buying all the books going all in. (laughs) Now, I will say, and you brought up a good point where it's like, you know, you can do research online and find these things. So with Car Wars, I am getting all this stuff because A, there's a bunch of miniatures. The miniatures are absolutely, completely and totally unnecessary completely unnecessary they come with bases so the game comes with bases where you can actually put hot wheels on it or you can just put nothing there the base is the size of the car and that's all you need the car on top of it is nothing but decoration so you don't need that most of the other expansions are just cards that you use to build out your car you don't need any of those either because if you know what the card says you could literally just write it down so the only thing you actually need is the dashboard 
and those bases. And the two-player set is like $60, which gives you all of everything you need, including all the dice, to play. If you just had that and a little bit of Google in time, you would have everything that the $587 version gives you. Uh, Someone else in the chat pointed out libraries. Libraries circulate a lot of board games and I'm sure role-playing game materials that you are totally allowed to make copies of if you have checked it out from your library. For personal use only and don't tell the FBI. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) Yeah. And PDFs. um, Christopher mentions PDFs. And that's actually... um, So when Kitty mentions me sharing and again... I spend a lot of money with these companies, and it, especially for D&D, I've bought every book three times. Uh, well, I also, speci- you know, they give you the ability to share it with your players as a dungeon master. Like, I don't think yes. we're doing anything, you know, no. against the it, rules it depends. by you yeah, sharing your books on- with me as a player in your campaign. Yeah. So D&D Beyond, if you're in my campaign, you can have access to all of the content that I have access to. So mm-hmm. that's that's how that's how Wizard of the Coast is PDFs. Um I also so I bought the book in D and D Beyond version, normal cover version, and special cover version for everything D and D because <laughs> I'm insane. Um, don't yes. do what I do; it is not worth it. Don't do it. <laughs> but I this is these are the kinds of things I collect, and it makes me happy. So, is it too expensive? The way that I use them, yes. Uh, most of the adventure book contents, I sh- I probably should never buy those because I never run like never adventures, and but I buy them <laughs> twice. Actually, I buy them three times. Um, You're crazy, and I yeah, and I don't need to do. <laughs> I that. wish that Fletcher was here to tell you how crazy you are because I I don't know if he listens to the episodes that he's not on, <laughs> but like I can hear him listening to you saying these things and just being like, "Why, Chris? Why?" <laughs> Christopher says that I say, do as I say, not as I do. I'm trying to save you from my disease. It's it's really bad. Yeah. I it's I when I get focused on something, I'm just like, I need everything and I need it in pristine. And I mentioned offhandedly. So I backed this on Kickstarter and I got everything. And I came home and I went out and bought another copy of it at twice the price that I paid on Kickstarter. Why did I do that? Why do I have two copies of this game coming to me now? Kitty, help me. Why? Why do I have two copies of this game? I don't know. Because you're crazy. Because you're going to want to give it to somebody to try to get them hooked on it so that you'll have someone else to talk to about it. That seems to be what you do with all of these second copies of games because you never end up selling them. You tell yourself you're going to sell them. You never sell them. Oh, I'm not going to sell this, but um, I take offense (laughs) to the term crazy. We don't use that anymore. It's a psychological collecting disorder. And um, that's that's just how that is. Um, As your friend, I get to call you crazy. (laughs) That's true. You know, anyone else like, you know, you judge your behavior how you see fit but as chris's dear friend i'm calling him crazy so there are a couple of games there's not a lot of games that qualify for this but there are a couple games D is one of them why do i have all the special covers i will never open or use those books why do i have them because i want a pristine copy of all of those books so that your this children a- will have to deal with them at your death and be like why was our father so insane it'll make for good <laughs> stories for them but this is my, my <laughs> Their therapists crazy- are going to love them. <laughs> yeah. My crazy mindset for having a second copy of Car Wars is like, well, if I ever wanted to play eight players, I could. 
but mostly I can just play with my my playset and I can put my collector set on a shelf in the back room in the basement where it'll stay pristine. And then I just know it's there. So if my playset gets a little damaged, that's okay. I still have a pristine set in the back that no one's allowed to touch. That's how broken I am. It's bad. Don't do what I do. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who has, you know, a collection of Barbies still in their boxes, who is looking up the prices of acrylic (laughs) collector boxes to put their Barbies in, I really don't have anywhere to stand on this. It's just, you know, everyone has their own thing that's worth it to spend money on. However, back to our topic at hand is, sure, like, if you want to spend your money on games, how you spend it, that, that is all completely different than why do games cost what they cost? So, why do games cost what they cost? Um, you know, there's a wide range of prices in games, and the games that you buy and the games that I buy have vastly different price tags. Because <laughs> I would say I spend twenty to forty five dollars on yeah, most they hit of my the games of that range. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like a lot of games that I buy are card games or tiling games, where the most um, extreme kind of component that comes with these is like a really nice cardboard tile maybe some wooden like fancy meeples will bring it up to that $45 end of my price range instead of the $20 end (laughs) um you know custom meeples is about as fancy as I get in my games and There's not a lot of components going on. A lot of the price of the game is the design and the art and and that kind of thing going into it. It's not the 50 pounds of plastic that all of your games have going into their miniatures. (laughs) And how much do those... How much do those ones tend to run you, Chris? The ones with um, several boxes of miniatures to go along with the like 40-pound box of cardboard and paper rules? Yeah, the current, the going rate of a large k- Kickstarter with a lot of plastic is between three and $400 right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not counting shipping. Shipping can sometimes be like $50, $60 on top of that, depending on the company and where it's coming from. It is, it does not make sense. And I will say, uh, so there's a number of reasons. I, we've wanted to, I've wanted to talk about this topic for a while now. There's a couple things that are happening in my personal gaming uh, maturity cycle. I don't know, whatever it is, where I'm starting to like look at these games and say, I don't need this. Not just because I don't need a bunch of plastic or another game that's a d- big dungeon crawl, but because... I don't need another game that I get put in the back room and just have to give away because I have no ever, ever any, any intention of ever playing it because I just don't, I have too many of them. Um, so I'm trying to be very selective. The last really big game that I bought, not counting Car Wars just now, but um, was The Witcher. And I did a lot of research on that game before I decided to go all in on it. But since then, I have not. And there's been a lot of games where I've just kind of like passed on it. And I'm trying to be better at saying, you know something? I'm okay with spending money on games. I really am. (laughs) We all know. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe I should be a little bit more conscious about spending money for money's sake. Like, I don't need to do that. 
Um, well, I also think there's this mindset too. People who are especially kind of cult of the new and they first get really into the hobby, really into Kickstarter, where you see these things come up and it's like, I want to have it. If I don't get it on Kickstarter, I'm going to miss out and I need to do it. I need to go all in. And once you like build up so much collection, you like feel like you're drowning in games. Like you, so I feel like the FOMO, the, the enticement of like, Oh, I have to get it now can wear off on people over time. Like you get exhaustion of the, you, you have become oversaturated with this you know, market of there, there are just so many games. They're all trying to play the same ploys. It's all, we have all the miniatures. It's all, if you don't get it now, you can never have it. It all feels kind of the same after a while. And honestly, it never really hooked me in. And occasionally there are games where like, I think, oh, if I had more money to spend on games, or if I had more time, if I had more space, if I had all three of those things, maybe I would want to go in on it. Tainted Grail, I still... I mean, I feel like I'm kind of missed out on it. But also I feel like I don't play half of these like $30 games that take 20 minutes to play. What makes me think on earth I am ever going to play Tainted Grail? <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, yeah, there, I, I do feel like, though, that you, you can just become inundated with the kind of sameness of these games and that these same techniques that get people to buy them don't continue working on the same people over and over. So I'm looking at my Kickstarter page right now. I have three pending pledges. Um, and well, let's see here. The one that, well, so Soulforge Fusion, uh, we talked about that last week, which is the new unique decks mashup together. That one is still potentially a pledge I'm going to cancel if they don't do a hard announcement on updating the graphic design. Because as much as I love the concept of that game and the way it plays, it is hideously ugly and it will fail on launch <laughs> if it looks the way it looks. And the the campaign, I have never seen a worse run stretch goal campaign ever. So they wanted to raise $20,000. They're almost at $200,000. $25,000 per stretch goal from $100,000 to $200,000 was new alternate art for the minion cards. There is nothing more boring than that. And it's infuriating me the way they're running this. <laughs> and there is a really good chance. Because right now I have backed at the crazy high, I want to get an entire case of these cards tier. And I could cancel this game. I Like, seriously, if they don't commit to making this look better, I will cancel this pledge and I'll just buy it later probably, but only if it looks better. Um, and, and this is the thing. And I think that's okay because I'm like, I want more from this. Also, Smashing Helmets, it's not going to pledge. It's not going to fund. I really oh, it's not going to fund? Oh. It's, it's really not going to. But the, the one it that I'm also... It looks so on, cool, but also... <laughs> like... I, I just want to build with cardboard. I do want to build with cardboard. I can do that without a game. <laughs> yeah. The other one I've backed is called Agamonia. Agamonia? Agamonia, I think. And the reason I backed this is it's a fantasy game from the publishers of Eclipse. And Eclipse is a sci-fi 4X game that I really, really love. So based on the fact I really love Eclipse, I said, okay, I'm going to back this and go all in. That's $235 because I can't just get the base game. What if it's really good? So I backed it all in. And now what if it's not good? I'm out $235. So as we speak, right this very second, I'm clicking the manager pledge 
thing here and I'm clicking the cancel pledge button and I'm canceling the pledge. So I don't need to spend, actually it was more, it was like 250 euros. So it was whatever, almost $300, right? Um, I don't need this game. I have no idea what this game is. And I just bought Car Wars again. So in Car Wars, I know what it is. So look at me. I am balancing out, and I feel sorry for Eclipse Publishers. You guys made it a great game, and I'm sure this is game is great too. But if it is, I'll buy it on the other side. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be more responsible with how I spend my gaming money. It's just hard because habits are hard to break. Yeah. When you get in the habit of, I need to buy the thing. I need to have all the things. You know, it, it's a hard habit to get out of. Any habit is hard to break. I'm very proud of you, Chris. Um, this is, you know, almost making up for the fact that you bought a game just to look at, which was more expensive than my entire gaming budget for the year. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about that. Components, though. <laughs> because I do think there's something to that. Like, we talk about plastic, and mm-hmm. we make fun of it, and it's easy to say. It's like, oh, man, you know, I don't need all this plastic. But there is something to... So I was thinking Zombicide. Uh, Zombicide is an overly plastic game. And they're all gray plastic and you can't tell the figures apart. You have to look at the models. You go cross-eyed trying to find out, is that a runner or a walker? Or like, what is that? Like, it's it's really... The plastic does not help the game. If you're ready to remove all of that and use different colored wooden cubes to represent the zombies of the different types, the game would play easier. And it would be a lot smaller. Like, you could shrink it down to something that doesn't take up an entire table, and you can keep all of the gameplay. But it wouldn't cost $375 to go all in on Western Zombicide, which is the 97th version of this game. That's the same (laughs) game. So, but that's different. Because I wouldn't buy Western Zombicide if it was, hey, we're going eco and friendly and didn't use wooden cubes instead of plastic. Even though I should... But I think there is something to be said for table presence. And and Miles brings this up. It's if I'm yeah, the, going the to the chat is the, in on this with you. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to take the time to set up a physical game, I want that visual appeal and that tactile appeal to justify the amount of time it takes to play a tabletop game versus just playing a game on my iPad. Because it's a whole lot easier to play the game on my iPad. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole lot more engaging to play it on the table. And this is why I have no interest in Cascadia, no matter how good the game is. It looks like crap. (laughs) Never, I I will never play this game. It looks terrible. But everyone says it's one of the best games of the year. I don't care. It looks terrible. (laughs) There's not enough plastic in it. I don't want to play it. I don't think there's any plastic in it. There's no plastic. It's just... No, it's 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 all cardboard. It's (laughs) ugly tiles with ugly I think they're pretty tiles. I like the colors of the tiles. (laughs) I think they're pretty. It, you know, different kinds of things appeal to different kinds of people. And um, I'm already looking at, I can't remember the name of it now. It's another plant-based tiling game on Kickstarter now from... Flat Out Games, which did Cascadia and Calico, which have been some of my favorite games. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm certain they're great games. Verdant, thank you, Terrence. I also know they'd make a million dollars more if they looked good. Like Cascadia makes me want. Cascadia to... has art from uh Beth Sobel. It's not like they didn't, you know, like just because it's, it's not, not to your taste. No, no, no. It's not to my taste, and it's ugly. Um. See what I did there? 
Miles asked me, what about terraforming Mars? Terraforming Mars looks like literal crap. It's just brown. Yes, I do not like looking at that game. (laughs) I thought Cascadia was a very pretty game. I like this game. It's just not. I, I Like, Calico is kind of a cute game. But Cascadia is not. It is not a, a pretty game. It, it's 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 not. But again, Cascadia is not an expensive game either. It is a game that's I like, think what, the $40? art on all the cards is very pretty. Sure, you can say that the tokens are not cute. It doesn't have a lot of table presence with the tokens down. Okay, but like- the art on the cards are fine. Uh, actually, and, and that I'll be very clear. All of the art on the cards are fine. It's the graphic design that's hideous. I'm looking at a picture right now with a bunch of hexagon tiles that have bland terrain colors on it. With so, so it, it, it's the magenta. They actually use magenta. How does that not even become transparent? Like I don't get it. Magenta, orange, brown, another shade of brown, and blue. Um, I <laughs> think they're actually supposed to be very um colorblind friendly colors, well, yeah, and I think they're they supposed to be very need- visible colors for gameplay reasons, Chris. You're supposed but to be they- able to look and see what's going on in the game. You just complained that your problem with Zombicide is you can't tell what's going on in the game and you could fix it with colored cubes. And then you criticize Cascadia <laughs> for using oh. the system you designed to solve the problem. Well, what I, I said turned was- into Jerry Seinfeld and my arms are waving like crazy. <laughs> what I said with Zombicide is it could be done and make it more playable with colored cubes. But I'll buy it with the piles of gray plastic. I wouldn't buy it with colored cubes. It doesn't matter if it's more playable. It needs more gray plastic in it. Oh, I'm getting roasted by the chat so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, so yeah. So um, yeah. I'm sure Cascadia is a great game, and it's selling way well enough, and its ratings are way better. They, they counteract anything I have to say about it. But um, Cascadia, Great Plastic Edition, I'm all I'll bring my edition, copy, and I'm we can in. play it Saturday during the day. You know something? Chill, if, chill Friday if night, you, if and you we bring can play Cascadia, it at lunchtime on Saturday. <laughs> if you bring Cascadia, we will play Cascadia during Fletcher's wedding's wedding thing. Whatever <laughs> during her, his wedding. Fletcher, during his wedding. If you're listening, I'm really sorry <laughs> when you notice me and Chris in our black tie attire in the back of the room on the floor playing Cascadia. <laughs> it's a well, really ugly you know. board game <laughs> with pretty cards. A beautiful board but, game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll br- yes, Christopher asked if I'm bringing the plastic animals, and I am going to go get plastic animal upgrades right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the animal components are probably the weak link. They are. The, and then, the animal and that's tiles, the thing. and it's, it's fine. Yeah, like I said, the cards are actually, the art on the cards look really nice. It's just the board that you have to look at <laughs> does not. Yeah, we so, need to get the jackalope upgrade package. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> So let's talk about the price of games that are going to be going up because price games are going up in price. Asmodee has already raised all of their prices across the board um, by a significant amount, like 15 to 20% on everything. Um, it is – so Terrence asked me, what about rebuying uh, Great Western Trail? I did not buy – I did not rebuy Great Western Trail for a number of reasons. I like my copy of Great Western Trail. There's nothing wrong with it. And the new version – while if I didn't have the old version, I would certainly buy it. It doesn't do anything for me that says I have to have the new version. 
And I like I'm sorry, everyone. I have to open my can because after my rant, I need to drink. And I didn't open my can earlier, so you can hear my can opening noises. <laughs> I thought I could handle it, but I, I couldn't make it through. No. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, but shipping. Shipping is a huge deal right now. Um, is that going to be a temporary increase in gaming prices? No. It's going to be a permanent increase. They are going mm-hmm. to use this as a reason to permanently increase the price of games. And it's a valid reason. It's, it's not like, you know, they're making these excuses. It's a completely valid reason. And they're going to leave those prices where they are. Because as is... But inflation. This is why we need Fletcher to describe inflation to us. Because I'm pretty sure it'll all work out in the end. Because they're raising the prices on everything temporarily. And then the value of money is just going to change. Yes. And that's and that's basically what's going to happen is it, like you rarely have prices fall back down. Apparently, we're supposed it. to be going into debt now, and it, everyone now is a good time to go into debt because inflation will make your debt less or something. That is, I don't know. We need Fletcher. Actually, yeah, that is true. If you have debt right now, <laughs> as inflation happens, your debt will be less. It's long term debt. Short term debt, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, like but- buy a house. <laughs> buy a house. Yeah. But housing prices are crazy high right now. Buy a car. Car prices are crazy high right now. Like all your long-term debt is crazy it's high. It's almost right like now. there was some sort of crazy event in the world that, that just changed the economy of bad. literally everything. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Miles says, take out a second mortgage and buy more games. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that not like an investment. Sound, sound investment <laughs> advice, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney, help. <laughs> we should have had her on this one. <laughs> we should have. Uh, <sighs> um, okay, so here's Me and here's Chris my need last... to be stopped. We yeah, don't give here's... economic advice. Do not listen to us, please. <laughs> no. um, here's actual actual economic advice from me. Is <laughs> um, don't buy too many board games. It's it's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> buy um, them only for the amount of fun you will have playing them. That is the you, only you, reason to buy board games. <laughs> you say you you stole my my final point, but mine was written in a slightly different way. Save money, play games. Basically, play the games you have until mm-hmm. you don't want to play them anymore before buying a new game. That you may or may not want to play. Now, this is advice to myself, but I think this is sound <laughs> advice to everybody. I think it is good advice, yes. I have a lot of games that I like, that I really like, and I haven't played to the point where I don't want to play them anymore. I could save a lot of money by just ignoring the gaming world and playing those games. Now, I can't do that because I have a podcast, so I blame this podcast for most of my bad habits. But I do like buying new games. I do like exploring new games. I do like what the pandemic has done with games and trickling them out over the years so it doesn't feel like I have to buy everything during Gen Con and Essen. Like, I went to Gen Con and most of the stuff there, I'm like, either already bought or already set, decided I wasn't going to buy. So I kind of hope that pattern sticks. I don't think it will, but I kind of hope it does. Games, uh, to- the, the topic of the show, well, the question of the show, are games too expensive? <laughs> I'm going to give a very definitive no. No, they are not. Some games. I think there are some games that are too expensive, but as a whole, no. Yeah, it hurts me to agree with you. Yeah, and it depends. Some of our listening audience just like literally sat back as I agreed with Chris. I'm sorry (laughs) I let you down, everyone. An episode where Fletcher isn't here and I agree with Chris. It's the universe is going to employ employed. Yeah. Yep. If you if you can (laughs) if you can afford 
a specific game and you're willing to play or not willing to, but you will play that game. It is not too expensive. It's not any more expensive than any other kind of entertainment that may exist out there. If I spend $500 on Car Wars, but I play this game for the next six years, that wasn't too expensive. If I play it for three games and then put it on the shelf and never play it again, then that was a terrible investment. It probably still wasn't too expensive. It was just not the right investment for me because I decided that, hey, I'm going to go spend money on something else and play something else. I don't know. I do see it a lot, though. As <laughs> take up golf. <laughs> so John said, take up golf. Then we could talk about games being expensive. Good point. I don't play golf. Therefore, I don't have to spend crazy golfies. <laughs> You know, we talk about our hobby, too, like it's in a vacuum. Like, all hobbies cost money. We don't need to talk about, you know, my Barbies or my fabric stash or how much yarn I have and how much use those things get. You know, everyone has their own place where they enjoy spending their money. 3D printing is a huge one, Miles. (laughs) Yeah, that um, I know a lot of people who spend their money in 3D printing, you know, like... As a hobby, is it more expensive than other hobbies? No. You know, and once again, as long as it is your income to spend how you want to and you're getting enjoyment out of it, then the games aren't too expensive. And if you don't want to spend your money and the game doesn't look fun, then maybe that game is too expensive for you. But, you know, like that that's how markets work. You know, everyone's going to find what's worth it to them. And, you know, we can talk about maybe people who have a lot of money in the hobby pricing out people who would like to be able to play more. But then we also talked about resources, you know, like the library, um, buying used games. I don't know if we talked about that, actually, but we should. There are ways that if you want to get into playing a game, you can find maybe a less expensive way to do that. And you may not be able to be the first person to get the game, but don't worry. Someone like Chris is going to get bored of it in three weeks and want to sell it. And it doesn't take that long necessarily to get it. Yep. And I agree with you. Now, there are exceptions. When you buy certain Kickstarter stuff where there's lots of plastic and the aftermarket is, you know, a a 2x markup from what you could have gotten on Kickstarter, I get the frustration of missing out on the Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. but you can't be upset that people are charging what people are willing to pay. That's just, that just makes sense. Because if they weren't, then if they were charging less than people were willing to pay, you still wouldn't have the option of getting that game. At least if they're Mm -hmm. charging, you know, market value, if you're willing to pay market value, you have an option to get it. But also, if you are doing that, and Simon's the culprit to this, right? I backed Simon games. I I backed, you know, Western Zombicide. Um, The base pledge of that is relatively cheap. I mean, relatively, literally relatively cheap. But if you want all the Kickstarter extras, that's going to cost you a ton if you didn't get it during the Kickstarter. Well, if you want all the Kickstarter extras, then you have a problem like me, and you have to pay for that problem. <laughs> but if you just want to play the game, you can just buy the game on the second, you know, on in retail and get it cheaper than what you would have paid for on the Kickstarter. You just don't have all the extras. So it's... I find it annoying when people want to complain about the fact that, oh, it's so expensive to get this stuff because Simon makes everything exclusive. They do that so they can make the game in the first place. None of that stuff actually matters. It doesn't, unless you have a compulsive collection problem, 
like me. I get frustrated with it. I understand it. But I also understand it's not fair for me to be mad at a marketing scheme, a very effective marketing scheme, because it works, <laughs> right? It works. And mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of people back their game and help fund their game due to FOMO alone. Also, there is not a CMON Kickstarter out there that hasn't been able to be sold to get your money back. So there are some companies where it's like, it's just safe. You want to spend an extra few hundred dollars to back something on CMON and si- sell the extras and pay for the entire pledge? You can almost do that on every single CMON pledge out there. Other companies, your mileage will vary. But yeah, I, uh, games are expensive. They're only too expensive if you're not playing them, sort of. And if you want to play them and you can't afford them, what do you think about that one? Because that's, that's a good one. Well, you got the library thing, but not so- everything's in the library. <laughs> No, not everything's in the library. Um, and if you're looking at something maybe on Kickstarter, um, I've heard of people going in as a group and like group backing something. So getting like four people who want to play a four person game together that they will like all put in a quarter of the game. Um, but then it turns into like, you know, who really owns the game and where does it end up? Whose house is it at? And, you know, that that can get a little tricky managing relationships. But if you have, you know, a really solid gaming group of people who you trust and can do that with, that that's an option. Um, and then, you know, if it comes down to, you know, scrimping and saving and, you know, I only back this one game once every other year, you know, like you, you just have to choose like it, it's hard. Um, but you know, like that, that's life. Life is hard. Yeah. Well, John brings up a good point. He doesn't have any friends cause he's John. Um, but he has a family <laughs> and he plays his games with his family. So he'd still basically the game he wants to play. He's going to have to pay for. So you really can't go in on that. And I think, I, I think in that situation, you have to be more selective. And I'm, I'm trying to yeah. be better at that, right? Being more selective of, I want to invest in the games that I know that the people I am able to play with on a regular basis are going to like. Pretty much everything I buy, I cross my fingers and hope that Sydney will like it. I know she'll play it with me, but I hope she likes it. Um, because if she likes it, we can play again. And most of the time, she doesn't. She'll play a few games with me and then be like, eh, yes, that game's fine. I'm like, all right, let's go play Keyforge or something. Um, Dude Imperium was the last one where she's like, I really like the Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Whistle Mountain, actually, was the last game we played. And that was only a couple weeks ago. Where she's like, let's play that game again. And that's what I'm trying to like find. I want to find those games that she really likes to play. But I have to be careful with that. I have to be more careful with that. And one of the things I try to justify to myself, and these game companies know, is... If they put a one, two, whatever on it, if there's a solo version, I don't need to worry about who else wants to play it with me because I just play by myself. (laughs) And I almost never have the time to play by myself because I have two small children and a wife. And if I am playing by myself, I am neglecting, not neglecting, but I am am choosing to not do something with them. And Mm -hmm. that's not always more fun, right? It seems like it is, but... Anyone who has a family knows that even if you get to ignore your family, there's a little bit of guilt saying, oh, I should be doing something else right now. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to play this. I'm going to do this anyway. But I really should be doing something else right now. Or as Miles says, or it's really late at night. And you're like, I should be sleeping right now. (laughs) But that's a future Chris problem to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) 
which I have done. Also, I still can't get into Marvel Champions. I brought it with me to Gen Con and I started playing. I got half to way through a game. I'm like, this can't really be how this game plays. And I double checked the rule book. I'm like, it is. Oh, all right. And I just packed it up and put it away. Um, I'm going to still <laughs> keep trying. I have everything. I have everything for this game. I, I'm going to force myself to like it at some point. It's, I just don't right now. Um, but all right. It's, this, we've gone on enough. Um, I don't know. I'm probably going to keep spending money on games. But I'm going to spend well, a lot. I'm going to make in you it. like Cascadia, so you can go spend money on that one. Well, hopefully next week we will talk about Cascadia, and <laughs> I can actually have an opinion on it. Sounds and good. That... Well, I'll send you a, a video. We can both watch a video, so we're ready to play. 10 a.m. Saturday. Sahara, if you ever want to play Whirling Witchcraft, so she posted that she made people play Whirling Witchcraft at Gen Con. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, she said everyone liked it. I, I that's another thing too. I if somebody wants to teach me a game, I will play anything. I played Castles of Burgundy because Kitty taught it to me. It's trash. You made me teach it to you for a Euro Games episode, right? Because I was I never going to be able fine. to get through it. It's, <laughs> I, know. I, I just I think it's boring as I'll get out. But again, it's mostly because it looks like trash. It's a bunch of pipped D sixes on a say- brown board. <laughs> There were way too many shades of brown and green in that game. <laughs> yeah. Like, we could have used just, like, more variety and even, like, more saturated greens would be yeah. nice. But I'm very, like I said, I'm going to cancel my Soul Forge pledge if they don't fix the um, <laughs> the graphic design. I am very, very, like, of all things, the things I'm least forgiving of is graphic design. There is no excuse to have bad graphic design in games these days. None. And brown, there's more than one... Well, there's too many shades of brown. Stop using any shades of brown. Brown is not a color you should be born games. <laughs> period. Unless it's wood. You can use it for wood. Only wood. <sighs> All right, Kitty. I have to read the Patreon name, so I need to rest my voice for a moment as you um, tell people what we're proud of. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, figure out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally... A huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Milner, Sean, Pat Christopher Dung, Jennifer Engelbright, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Lecote, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, Joe Rexstad, Weatherman, Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimacy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, uh, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Lum, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric C. Lander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayish, Camel, 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 <laughs> I don't, you're not a camel, you're a Camel, I think. <laughs> Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, sorry, Camel, Ryan Elliott, did <laughs> Danita, Hersey, Courtney Falk, uh, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toss, Charles Pearson, Jason, Jesse Wheeler, um, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Gardner, and Darren McClellan. Um, really, thank you for making reading the Patreon name so hard every week because <laughs> we deserve it for your support. Uh, yeah, until next week. 
Keep playing games and having fun. Um, so you have to wear two dresses this weekend. Yeah. You have a cocktail dress and a black tie dress. Yes. I realized this the last minute and I'm like, oh, now I have my suits at the cleaners. <laughs> CD1 price, one day cleaning. <laughs> Drop it off by 9 a.m. tomorrow and it'll be ready by 5 p.m. Well, I'm hoping that. Fletcher's wedding's going to be fun, though. <laughs> it better be fun. It better be fun. And... It better be fun. Chris is also Fletcher. wearing two different dresses, Terrence. I am wearing two different dresses. <laughs> I'm wearing a black dress with a gray tie and a black dress with a blue tie. No, that's a black tie. Because it has to be a black tie because it's a black tie event. Can you wear a non-black tie at a black tie event? Yes, you can wear a non-black tie to a black tie event as long as it is not white. White ties are reserved for white tie events only, which you have to wear with tails. I learned this today, but most people do, in fact, wear black ties to black tie events. I got a black tie because I wanted to be on the safe side. It's, it's like the only it's thing always in the safe. Name. Always it's, safe. Literally, that is the name of the style of dress. So <laughs> you can't go wrong with an actual black tie. <laughs> you know, I'm going to design a game about black tie events. Dress code. 